who are assembled, not in the name of Muhammad, not Confucius, not any of those other confused ones. <laughs> Certainly not Joseph Smith or Rutherford or just going down the line. We're here in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> the song said, I'll be a friend to Jesus. <clears throat> Page number 386. 
years ago, years ago, he had a man come down and sing, and uh, he sang that song, bluegrass style. Yeah. And he had a great old big guitar, and he come charging out of the side room, that was an intro when that song, you know, and, and he sang false tenor very high. <laughs> and the story was, he said, he went somewhere and the lady said, I want to hear that lady that sings with y'all. <laughs> He's a big mountain man. And uh, he said, well, here is, here is sister story. And he struck off on that song. I'll never forget it. He, he went in and said, I'll be a friend on that course. He got way up yonder. But <clears throat> my, my old stubborn voice won't get up there, I reckon. <clears throat> 346, I know my name is that.
know the word says stand. When you've done all you can do, stand. Right. Sometimes it feels like we have to lean. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad he's there to hold us up <clears throat> and carry us if necessary. Anyone have a special prayer request over here? Just let me. Jackie said was gone to Brother Jackie uh, has gone to a viewing tonight, and so he did let us know about that. So please continue to remember him. Remember Brooklyn? She brought a friend last week, Alisa. Yes, remember both of them. Um, she seemed really interested in church. Okay. Praise God. So, and then uh, if you would continue to remember Dan and Becky. Uh, Lord, Becky's been having time with these headaches. And uh, just remember both of them. <clears throat> um, continue to remember Todd and Bridget, if you would, as they minister on the streets. Um, just remember our church. And let's be reaching out and trying to grab whoever we can. I'd like to say, I need to remember Brother Jackie. Since he's not here, he puts on a good front, but he needs prayer. He yes. has that thing. He is yeah. sick. He needs prayer. Yeah. Do remember my dad. Uh, I don't know if I was, well, right after when I got, just got home from church Sunday night, my brother called me, and dad had gotten sick again. And uh, almost the same symptoms as before, but maybe not as severe. Don't really know. But they did a CT scan. It was okay. But. He's not well, he's not doing really good. He's making out like he is, but you know, he just, uh, my mom's worried about him, I'm sure, and uh, do remember them. <clears throat> Some are going to be homeschooling and different things, but 
Oh yes, it's uh, at some point, somewhere in history, it was education. Uh, there may be some left, I don't know, but it's indoctrination now to the all kind of global ideologies, and you could just go on and on. But they sliding it in everywhere they can, you know, dressing it up. You know, it's the same thing been since Adam and Eve, but it's so. It's got a different costume on now, you know, and uh, some people go after it and make it look so good. And some of it, a lot of it is just junk, kind of like junk food. It always looks good, tastes good, but it'll rob you of your appetite for the real food. So, and the battle is for the mind, heart, and soul of the children and the parents. So let's pray for that. Remember these needs. Let's find our place to pray. And ask the Lord to help us tonight. This evening.
goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Where would we be if it were not for the goodness of God? Where would we be? Amen. Oh, he has been so good. So very, very good. Sing that chorus again for us. says it rains on the just and on the unjust the goodness of God there's times he shows mercy in the wind and in the storms to those that probably should not deserve goodness but he gives it to us gives us that mercy I appreciate the Lord for that I know there's coming a reckoning day all of our sins will be laid out clearly There'll be no denying it from our standpoint. And uh, then we're going to have to give a reckoning for it. Amen. So choose Jesus now. Amen. Thank the Lord. Uh, We're going to come to you this evening for the uh, offering. And Brother Ron, if you'll receive the offering for us, I'd appreciate it. And I do appreciate Brother Ron. I stopped by there to check on him Monday, and uh, he was having a whole powwow there. I was alive and well. Yeah, <laughs> doing good. All right. You know, I've been dealing with grandchildren this week about their salvation, their heart, and uh, it really came home that are you saved? What does it mean to be to saved? Be saved. Set aside, sealed. And, you know, there's no different variations and degrees of that. No, there's you not. either are or you're not. Right. And because I bring that up because someone say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm almost there, there, whatever. Oh, you're there or you're not. That's right. And, uh, uh, and that's, that's something that has really been deep in my heart this week. And uh, trying to trying to at least lead them down the right direction. That's a never-ending We're glad to see y'all all this here to see. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you.
Teresa, sing us a song. Amen. It is a very important thing for us to know. What does it mean to be saved? And what is the difference between a person who is saved and who is not saved? So uh, there was a saying that uh, C.S. Lewis had in his, his books, in one of his books, that said, pretty is as pretty does. And I want to make, uh, say that it really applies also to salvation. Saved is as saved does. And so if we're saved, there are certain qualities about us that we will have upon us, things that we will do, and things we will not do. And so there are do's and don'ts. None of those make us save. We do them because we are. Uh, years ago when I was a salesman, I used to sell ductile iron pipe. That probably doesn't mean a thing to any of you guys. But it used to be the water main. Most of the water mains were made out of cast iron. Real thick. The, even though they are real thick, if you drop them cast iron water mains real hard on the concrete or something, it could develop a crack down it. You may not even see it until after you put it in. And they came out with this stuff called ductile iron. And really the only difference between ductile iron and cast iron was 5% nickel. It changed the whole molecular structure with just 5% nickel. And that 5% nickel meant that uh, you could drop one and it would shatter. You would drop the other, it wouldn't, it would bounce. You could uh, run over one with a, um, the old cast iron. You can run over it with a track hoe. You know what a track hoe is? It's a big digging machine. It would, it would crack all up and, and break up. You could run over the one with the 5% nickel and it, it, it would bend. But when the track hoe came off, it would remember its thing. Huh? So I went into a customer's office and he said, I only want a certain type of cast iron pipe. I said, you know, cast iron pipe, it, it can break on you. He said, I said, you need to go with this ductile iron. He said, ductile iron will crack on you too. I said, no, it won't. He said, yes, it will. And he... He was an older man and I was a young salesman. He said, come here, buddy, let me show you something. <laughs> so we went out of his office out into the, uh, the garage there with all the parts and all that. And he took me around to a corner. And sure enough, there was on, on the uh, ground there a piece of 8-inch uh, pipe. And clearly on the side of it, it said cloud ductile iron. Okay. And it had this long lateral crack down it. He said, see, ductile iron, a crack. I told him, I said, look, it's marked ductile iron, but it's not. Right. 
Do you get it? Because if it was the real thing, it wouldn't crack. Amen. I want to be the real thing. Sure.
It won't. 
Lord knows I've been getting my ground healed for a while now. But it's okay. Yes, yes. God is in control. Amen. And he's, he's making the ground ready. Yes, Amen. He's making me ready. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. You might not quite be in an intimate place of peace, but you know God is doing a work. Right. You know you're getting somewhere. You know where you're headed. Right. He's there with you. Right. I'm so thankful for a merciful God. Yes. Yes, he is. He's That's right. That's right. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In my, in the year of my uh, <laughs> perfect storm year that I had many years ago, I remember at one particular point that I, <clears throat> I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm tired of fighting. And I was willing just to kind of roll over, Brother Robert. I know that doesn't sound too good. I wasn't rolling over to the devil. I was rolling over to the Lord. I was trying to say, Lord, I think it's okay to do what I'm doing. I think it's all right for me to go the way I'm going. I think that, you know. And I just decided to roll over and say, Lord, however you want it done. Tell you what, life got a whole lot easier swimming. Amen. When you start swimming the Lord's way Amen. as opposed to swimming your own way. And I appreciate the Lord. I'm not saying that's what's going on with Sister Angel, but I know that with me, that really made a difference when I, and sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, prior to that time, I thought I was fully given over to the Lord, but I wasn't. But I, I appreciate the Lord. And that'll be another message for another time. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me here this uh, evening to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and those, if you would, stand with me uh, as I take this text. There'll be more scripture, but we're going to stand and honor these texts right here. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. While you stand, you might as well turn with me one more scripture before I pray. Second Samuel 23 and verse 2. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 2. These are the dying words of King David. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. Let's bow our, our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we do thank You, Lord, that You, Lord, have spoken to holy men, and through them, Lord, You have penned Your heart that love letter that you wrote unto each and every one of us. I thank you, Lord, that this 
love letter you have written from Genesis to Revelations, Lord, that it has described who you are and what you are. It has described those things that you like and those things that you abhor. And I thank you, Lord, that through this, you have written those words that are needful to us, that, Lord, we might be your children and your bride and that we might learn and know how to please you. Come by, anoint us, Lord, with your, your word. Help us, Lord, to speak your word here this evening. And not only, Lord, help us to speak it, but Lord, I pray that you would get a hold of those words and take them deep into our hearts, that, Lord, we may be more than hearers of the word, but we may be doers of them also. Come by and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, this is probably more of a teaching, preaching type message tonight than just a, uh, a regular um, script, scriptural uh, preaching. But um, here I want to talk to us about all Scripture. What do you think about all Scripture? From Genesis to Revelations. Is there some in your Bible that you've scratched out and say, oh, that's not for me today. Is there some that you've written out and, and highlighted and said, oh, we don't have to worry about that today. You know, that's not for us. And we are living in a world right now around us that has lost its way has gone astray. One of the worst things that could happen, um, when I remember quite a bit about being raised on Tybee Island and around boats and all that, and my brother, he had a shrimp boat and all that, and every once in a while, uh, the way that they would do it down on Tybee years ago, I don't know how they do it now, but generally you would hit a particular tide and you would drag for shrimp and then you would go and drop anchor, pick up the last of your shrimp, and then go take your little nap while the tides would change. Okay? But there were times you'd kind of take a look and check your markers, you know, and you'd say, uh-oh, the anchor's dragging. And there are times those anchors will drag, and if you're not careful out there on the in the Savannah Channel, you can drag right into them rocks and be done. And so uh, I want to talk to us about a it's a it's a fancy word. It's a uh, it's a uh, two Greek words put together, but it's called antinomianism. Yeah. It is anti, which means against. Nomen is, nomen is really, the ism is meaning believing in that, but nomen is talking about the law. Anti-law. Against the law. Huh? Are we not living in a lawless day and hour? Huh? But here, I want to bring it to us not necessarily about being lawless in our government 
and, and, and being lawless about us keeping the laws that are of the land, I want to talk to us about the law, the Word of God. J.I. Packard, and I, I know I've mentioned about this from time to time, but this, I don't think I preached on it. Maybe I have, but this may be a repeat. Maybe I'll do better this time. He uh, said there are five strains of antinomianism. One is called the dualist or also the Gnostic, which means that salvation is for the soul only. The bodily behavior is irreverent both to God's interests and to the soul's health. In other words, you can get drunk, you can cavort, you can commit all those sexual sins that are out there, but your soul is still saved. That's what it's talking about. Then, is, then there is this spirit-centered antinomian, which argues that God sees no sin in believers. Uh, I'm sorry, I skipped down. Spirit-centered which means the total trust in the Holy Spirit's promptings as to deny any need to be taught by the law on how to live. We've got to be careful. Yes, the Holy Ghost will teach us all things. But folks, there are some things you still have to be taught on. Okay? And so it is important for us to recognize that. Then, it, I, this is what I, I messed up on my eyesight. The Christ-centered antinomian argues that God sees no sin in believers because they are in Christ. Therefore, what they do makes no difference provided they keep believing. That's pretty close, ain't it? Huh? It's pretty close. Tied. The dispensational denies biblical laws and God's direct commandments and affirms the biblical's imperative statements trigger, in other words, when you quote the Bible, it triggers the word of the Spirit, which may or may not correspond exactly to what is written. Huh? You ever heard somebody say, the, I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll give you an example. I've had people come to me and tell me, the Lord told me it was okay for me to go out and marry this other one other than my rightful marriage. Come on. That's where the Spirit supersedes all of God's laws. God's laws still stand. Right. Then there's a situationist. Uh, you ever talk, talking about the situ, situationalist? Have you ever talked to somebody that says, oh, I'm moral, I'll never do this, and I'll never do that, and I don't believe in doing this, and I, I wouldn't go... But yet, you get, see them get into a tight spot and then they'll go and do exactly what they wouldn't say, do normally and they say, well, I was in a bad spot and I had to do something. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
situational ethics is what they call it. And it's stable. And so, anyway, the situationalist antinomianum uh, motivate and intention of love is all that God now requires of Christians. All we got to do is love. Okay? Commands and the law is just a rule of thumb for loving others. Rules that love may at times be disregarded for the life or to help someone else out. As long as we love. These things that I'm talking to you about, we do not believe. We don't believe one through five at all. We do not believe that. And so the thing that's scary is that some of these that I read, you might have thought, well, I'm kind of like that. That's why I'm preaching. Because I'm worried at times through hearing other people. You know, there was this one man, I cannot remember his name for, there for about two years I could remember his name. But he uh, wrote a book and in uh, essence he said there is no hell and that God's love wins. Maybe that was the name of the book. God, uh, anyway. Love wins. I think that was the name of it. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're not loving the way God loves, it's not true love. It's sin. And so, antinomianism is the belief that through gospel dispensation of grace, moral law is of no use or obligation because faith alone is necessary unto salvation. You can do nothing to be saved. But you can affect your losing your salvation. That's right. Huh? James says in the New Testament, sin is a transgression of the law. Sin. Jesus clearly has said that if we sin... We're going to be damned. That's why he came to be a mediator. And so the question is this evening, can we live and do whatever we want and still be saved? Will grace cover whatever error I commit or sin I commit and count it as nothing? There's the question right there. Huh? I could, uh, now that I think about it, I could probably add a couple more. Is there a difference between willful sin and. Yeah, the devil made me do it, sin. Okay? Some may want to call what I'm talking about Calvinism, but it's not. Calvinism, uh, this that I'm talking about is this antinomianism. Believing that now that we are saved, we are above the law and we don't have to look at the law. You know, one of the wonderful ways to, to lie to somebody is to give them a partial truth. Huh? And so, when a person says 
You are no longer bound by the law. That is partially true. And it is in the scripture that says we are no longer bound by the law. But as soon as you sin, you got that? When you cross the line and you sin, then you become bound with that sin again. Okay? And that's when you have stepped out of His grace and started to do your own thing. And so I want to read several scriptures to us. You know, um, uh, in our holiness movement today, we, we've got people who are slipping in and out among the ministers and older saints that are beginning to believe this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, where once we had issues with allowing sinners into the doors, okay, now we not only allow them in, which we should, but we are allowing them to influence us, not the other way around. Our holiness brethren have always had these regional differences about standards. And I hate that. I've I've hated that. By and large, the southern part of the United States has always been stricter than... Starting around Tennessee and above, going that way. Now up toward the East Coast, up through Virginia, pretty much stayed with the South. I guess it's the Mason, never mind, we won't get into that. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, most of it comes down to this interpretation about the law. Is it good or is it evil? Is the law of God good or is it evil? In Matthew 5 and 17, he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass. Let me say that again. Until heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. All be fulfilled. That's at the end of the last war, at the end of the the great white throne of judgment, uh, until all of that is fulfilled. Not one jot or tittle. Then he goes on. Whosoever shall break one of the least commandments, thou shalt not lie. We got young ones here. Thou shalt obey thy father and thy mother. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your... Now this is Jesus talking here. Listen up. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Woo! 
I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a sad, you see. Come on. I want to be a Christian. And you might say in yourself, in your mind, how can this be? How is it possible? How can these things be done? And that's where the true gospel has been lost in our country and by and large in many places of the world today is about what I'm, I'm going to get into a little bit later on. The true gospel. Yes. The true gospel. In Galatians 3 and 13, Paul says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. We've been redeemed from the curse. We were not redeemed from the law. You got that? There's a difference. We have been redeemed from the curse. What is the curse? The curse is if you commit a sin, thou shalt die. Amen. That's what the curse is. It started with Adam and Eve. There, it was so strict back down there that because they ate one piece of fruit, they died. They died spiritually and they died as a man and a woman. They were not, those two were not designed to ever die. But they did. Because they broke the law. And so it's important for us to recognize where we're redeemed from. Not from the law. Galatians 5 and 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you whatsoever. Uh, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are uh, fallen from grace. Here's another point. How are you justified? How are you saved? Yes. I am not saved by what I do. That's right. Amen. I'm not saved by what I do. Well, Brother Jeff, you're talking in circles. You just said, you know, we. I am not saved by what I do. Yeah. I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will save us. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ. I walk in Him. And so therefore, if I sin though, guess what? We need the blood of Jesus Christ to wash that sin away. Huh? So here in these scriptures, we're seeing that we are not justified by the law and that we are redeemed from the curse Okay, so the law is still very much important to us. Um, Romans 8, 1 through 11. I don't remember at what point in time I did this, but I think it's a really wonderful thing for you to take a little bit of time and memorize Romans 8, 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. 
Notice the word in. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Well, Brother Jeff, we are in the flesh. It's talking about your spiritual mind of flesh. Okay? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and of death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When Christ is in you, he will keep you. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to sin and all that. Uh-uh. It means He will keep you. So when you reach out toward that, something within you will get a hold of you That's right. and you'll say, nope, I'm not supposed to do that. No. Now, it's not going to pull your hand back, but it's going to be in that mind. Something will be right there, right away. Yes. Now, you know that's not right. Okay. Free from the law of sin. What is the law of sin? That the penalty for sin is death. Why death comes? There's only one reason for us to die. Did you know that? Well, now, wait a minute, Brother Jeff. Some people have heart attacks. Some people have stroke. No, uh-uh, I'm talking about death itself. One and one reason only. Sin. Huh? Sin. And we're all going to die because of Adam and Eve. But death came by sin. For what? In verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His Son in the likeness, the similitude of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Let me unwind that just a little bit for you here. God sending His own Son in the likeness. Jesus had every uh, thing in Him like us. Except the Adamic sin. God did not have sin in Him. Jesus was God. He was born God. Amen. Sometimes we get all messed up and all that. We were created in His likeness. He was not created like us. Amen. And so here in the scripture where it said He came in the likeness of sinful flesh means that He came in the flesh and He looked just like the rest of us. But He wasn't. That's right. Okay. And so it said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So Jesus came to make a way that you can be perfect. That you can live holy. That you can live without sin. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that since I got saved, I've never sinned. I can't do that. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that since time I got baptized with the Holy Ghost, I've never sinned. I can't say that. But I can tell you this much, every time I messed up, every time I sinned, I repented of it. Amen. And the Lord's come by and revived me and renewed me one more time. Amen. And when I get up, I don't get up and just say, well, 
it'll happen tomorrow because you know how I am. I'm just simple old Jeff. No! When the Lord saved me, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry, Lord, that I've caused to have to get more of that precious blood applied to my life. I am so sorry that I try my best not to ever do that again. But I'll be honest with you, if we're trying our best within ourselves, you're going to fail every time. All right. Next verse. I want to get back around to the answer here in just a minute. I know you got questions. How do we know if we are in the flesh? For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Okay? For to be fleshly minded is death. Wait a minute, Brother Jeff. My Bible says carnally minded. I want you to know that in this particular chapter, in this place, every place that you see the word flesh and carnal, they are the same Greek word. So it was just changed a little bit. It's same same word, but it just reads better. And so here it goes on, for to be carnally minded is death. What is carnally minded? Can you believe what they did to me? If I ever get a chance, I'm going to get them back. Oh, if I get my hands on them, I'd kill them. Losing your temper, okay? Being mean, being hard, being uh, mad. Uh, Woo, that's a pretty girl. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Thinking about nakedness. Thinking about adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, which means all kinds of sexual sins. Amen. Farther down in uh, um, Galatians chapter 5, it tells you what the works of the flesh are. So that's you just plug all of those in there. Amen. And he also added part of what the works of the flesh is. And what, you know, whatever I've told you before, you're not going to make it. How do you like that? At the end of Galatians 5, let me... Uh, I, I was trying to not do that because I always go to Galatians 5. But I, right here. Okay, I'll give you the list. Manifest, which is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Idolatry, worshiping of people or idols. Witchcraft, that's rebellion against God. Also can be uh, taking of... Uh, drugs, hallucination, drugs, things that aren't needed for your well-being. Hatred, variance, always being contrary. Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings. Why did they get that and I didn't get this? Why do they get that? Why are they pointed out and I don't get pointed out? I'm as good as they are. Murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. Let me add up such like carousing and perusing and going through a lot of these social medias. That's right. Huh? Going on to these uh, games that, that show naked people. Uh, parents, if you're letting your children see naked people, you might as well just be showing them regular television. Ain't no difference. That's right. 
Okay? And so uh, we got to be careful about what we're doing with our children. But as such like listening to rock and roll, listening to ungodly music, uh, watching ungodly things. I'll be honest with you, I got rid of my television. Well, I take that back. That's not true. I have never owned a television. How you like that? I'm 60 years old. He's older than I am. <laughs> Never owned a television. Huh? Got to get back to this. And such like. And notice what he says right here. This right here, if you think that, oh, I can get by with sin and make it to heaven. Listen to what Paul tells the Galatians. Of which I tell you, in other words, what I've told you before, as I have told you in uh, time past, that they which do commit, think about, act on such things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, Brother Jeff, I'm not quite sure what you were saying. Let me make it in South Georgia. You ain't going to heaven. You ain't going to make it. So, it's important for us to recognize about this law. And then it goes on and says, because the uh, carnal mind is enmity against God. The mind. I'll be honest with you, too many times we think the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. This is just your robot. Yes. It only does what your mind tells it to do. Take your mind out of your skull and move it a long distance from you, and this body will do nothing but rot. Yes. Right. Okay? The mind. Right there where it says carnal mind, fleshly mind, the mind, it means one mind, the spirit. Okay? It's not necessarily this functioning, look like a big old raisin or something with all those, you know. It's not that, but it is the spirit that is in there. It is the feelings, it is the thoughts, it's the purpose that you have uh, committed yourself to. It is your will. It is your thoughts. It is your high feelings, sometimes high-mindedness, your high spirit, your pride, your thoughts, your designs. Amen. What are you planning on doing? Your presumptions, your arrogances. Amen. It's your heart. That's why that scripture says, as your heart thinketh, Stop this down here. I got to hurry. So, here's the answer. Here's what we need to recognize, okay? I got to get back to these other scriptures, okay? Who rules your life, the flesh or the Holy Ghost? Verse 8 So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. It's that two-letter word. Don't you hate that two-letter word? Huh? You have won 
a million dollars. They don't send those out anymore. They used to. You have won $10 million. But you got to look. There's a little two-letter word in there that keeps us from that $10 million if we pull your number. Yes. If. If. A condition. Conditional. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. What is the Spirit of Christ? It is the Holy Ghost. Okay? If Christ be in you, the body is dead. It doesn't mean that your heart quits beating, but what it means is that this fleshly mind is died. When that half-naked person walks by, you don't, you don't turn your head to look and say, hmm, come on. You're no longer thinking about, oh, I remember them fun days when I was in the world. Because Christ is in you. When Christ is in you, sin is out of you. Can two things, can the devil and God live within you at the same time? I know a lot of people will answer, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you, no! You cannot have the Spirit of Christ in you and the Spirit of Satan. Come on. Now, uh, let me preface that. You can still hear, you can have Christ in you and hear the temptations of Satan. That's not in you. Okay? Only until you open up that gate and say, yeah, Satan, come on in. Let's think about this a little bit. Okay? The body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life. Amen. Because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. You ever feel that little something or another when the Holy Ghost comes by? That is the Spirit of the Holy Ghost quickening you, amen, raising you, encouraging you, amen, that's what we're needing. We need to have Him in us at all times. And so, another question is, are you naturally holy? Or do you have to think about it? Woo! Come on. I want to make you go to sleep. Romans chapter 2 and verse 13 through 16. For not the hearers of the law are justified before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their consciences, also bearing witness, 
their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. That's what the Lord's promised us. To write His laws upon our heart. To, upon our uh, inclinations. To change us. That's what the change means. is for His Spirit to be within us and for us to live righteous, to live holy, to live good. Amen. Before all others because He's in there. And without Him being in there, you can't live righteous. That's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all them other seas couldn't live right. Because they were trying to remember, oh, here, let me put, let me put my memory verse here. Clunk, come on. You say, what are you talking about? You haven't ever heard about them tying the, the, the verses on, on their heads? Huh? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Until you open it up, read it, and do it, putting it right there ain't going to do you any good. Okay? And then, uh, it is so important for us to believe. Comes by faith. Faith. You will never live holy if you do not believe you can live holy. But Brother Jeff, I'll do good for a while and then I fail. Yeah. That's called spiritual growth. Hello? I'll still in here with you? Okay. Okay, there's still some of y'all. Alright. You see, what happens is when we fail, we do, does God cause us to fail? Has God left us? Is that the reason we fail? No. It's because we've allowed carnal mind to get going again. And when that carnal mind starts to come in, the Holy Ghost the Spirit of Christ leads out. Come on. Paul said, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Amen. Woo! We're to keep it holy. We're to keep it clean. We can't allow the nastiness of this world, whatever it may be, to come upon us. We've got to keep it clean. How do you keep it clean? By thinking clean. Huh? Eating clean. Oh, brother Jeff, I'm real. I'm not talking about your food. I'm talking about your mental food, huh? What you put in your ears and before your eyes, huh? It's got to be clean. And can I tell you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And don't call me and ask me about the differences. You're going to have to pray a lot of this through. But not everything that calls itself Christian is clean. Not all music of a Christian whatever is clean. You need to pray it through. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus promised if you'll be with Him, your heart be with Him, He'll be with us. Teresa, get us a song. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. I'll always be there for you. How can He do that? Only when He is in our heart. 
is tight. It's tight for the old preacher. Can you lie when you got the Holy Ghost in you? Nope. Nope. You cannot. That's right. Can you have a demon attack you and live within you when you got the Holy Ghost in you? No. No. You say, Brother Jeff, what are you talking about? When people bring up somebody and they're supposedly saved and doing good and they're casting out a devil, there's a devil out. Not the Spirit of God. Come on. It is close, folks. Here's the hard one. Those who have once known the right way to go the wrong way. It's easy. It's real easy when you're talking about somebody else, but when it comes your son or your daughter. Yes. I've had mine before ask me, well, Dad, do you don't think I'm saved? And I have to just say, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you I'm saved. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Only a person can tell you they're saved. But there's a lot of people out there who are not saved who will tell you they're saved. That's because they don't even know what salvation is really about. When it comes down to it, I'm sorry I preached way too long. When it comes down to it, it's all about this relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't let our neighbor make us so mad that we lose our relationship with Christ. We can't let our our um, family make us angry so much that we lose the presence of God. Huh? That's why you need to learn forgiveness and do it fast. It has nothing to do about the other person. It has all to do about you. Because you're keeping that relationship with Jesus. Got to have him, folks. Got to have him. We're not going to be able to make it without him. Can you live without sin? Oh, yes, you can. I can. I have not found one verse that gives an excuse for sin. Every verse I find tells us we can. There have. I, I quote this a lot. There have no temptation taken you. Point to yourself, are there? There have no temptation taken you, but but such as is common to man. In other words, it may not be exactly, but it just is effective against us as it is against you. Okay? No temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye be able to bear. You know what that tells me? When I fail, I'm not looking for the escape hatch. 
When I sin, I'm not looking for the escape hatch. But there's always an escape hatch. There's always a way out. We do not have to sin. God made a way for that. So, why don't we come? Antinomianism. Does the law still have a part in our lives? It does. Let me, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I feel like I, so many things I wanted to say and I didn't, wasn't able to cover it. The law teaches us about the one we love the most. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? That's what the law is all about. That's what the law was about in the Old Testament. Was to help people get to the place where they could be pleasing unto God. Huh? That's what I want to do. I want to please Him. I want to live for Him. Amen. So let's come examine our hearts and our lives and let's draw closer unto Jesus.